Hi, I'm Carl Payton, pastor of Transformation Church RVA. I wanted to take a moment and thank you for checking out this sermon. I also wanted to bring to your attention something that is close to our hearts here. While our team has prayed that this message would stir within you a desire to know more about Jesus and be more like Him, our desire is that it would only be supplemental to your faith journey and not replace the church and faith community God has called you to be a part of locally. With that said, engage with us over the next 30 to 40 minutes as we dig into the Word of God proclaimed. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now, in this series, we've covered, uh, this is week number four, so the past three weeks, let me just recap very quickly. Um, The first week, we talked about readiness over happiness. And that one thing we needed to pass on to the next generation, one thing this generation needs to grab a hold of to pass on to the next generation, and that next generation after that, is that um, happiness will fail you. Um, You can get the greatest job, the job you've wanted to attain for years and years and years. You can make the money you've wanted to make. And as soon as you get there, that happiness target will move. And so we found that scripture would tell us to be ready for all seasons and to depend on God. And then we talked about financially free families, the week number two, that God would not have you burdened by finances so much and by debt that um, it closes opportunities for you, that you could serve him in other fashions. Um, and then last week we talked about faith on fire. Okay, and that we have Everyone in here has a responsibility. Go ahead and poke yourself in the chest. Just make sure you understand who I'm talking about. That's you. You have a responsibility um, to pass on a first-generation faith. A faith that we don't just know by words or, or that thing that grandmama always told us about, but that you have experienced it yourself. And that is the kind of faith that will go from generation to generation. What you will find is if it is not a first generation faith, it will fade. And for those in the room who have kids, those who don't, if you plan on having kids, don't plan on having kids. If you love the Lord this morning, you should have a desire to pass on a faith that um, doesn't stop with your grave. Okay? Everybody with me? Let me take this gum out of my wife. My, my wife yells at me. Hey, Luke, I'm going to put it on this order of service, so don't put your hand there. <laughs> Sorry. Today, we're going to close out this series, uh, and I want to talk to you on the topic of intentional giving. Intentional giving. How many of you know intentionality matters? Right, One of the things uh, in revitalizing um, Southside Baptist, now Transformation Church, was we wanted to become more excellent but more intentional about the ministry we were doing. And what you'll see in life um, is that life will show you what you're intentional about and what you're not. 
And I always find it funny. Um, people are real intentional about wedding planning, right? So let's talk about planning weddings. My wife planned, she had been planning this, what I didn't know, she had been planning this wedding for years before she met me. There were Pinterest boards. I didn't know what Pinterest was. Pinterest? Is that how you say it? Sorry. Pinterest. She had Pinterest boards. Why do they put the E in there if they don't want it said? I don't know. That's a different sermon. Okay. So she had been planning this wedding for years. And what you'll see is you'll see these to the nth degree will plan it out. But people are not intentional at all about being married. They will spend months planning for this wedding, and then they get married. They've done no planning for marriage. This is why y'all laughing. (laughs) This was us. This was us. We did premarital counseling, um, but let's just say it wasn't what we probably needed it to be. Um, and that's why when I do marriage, marriage counseling, so I, I think I'm, I'm marrying some people in the room. Um, when we do marriage counseling, we go into detail. We talk rubber meets the road. Like, I don't want you to, this is going to happen, so be prepared. Um, but a lot of people be intentional about the planning process, but not marriage. Uh, even baby rooms. When we had Macy, I did not realize that the lampshades had to match the sheets. <laughs> match the pacifiers that match the diapers that match the, that all the letters had to be gold. But that also, had, you know, I painted stripes. Okay, so have you ever painted stripes on a wall? Anybody? Don't. I'll just tell you right out front, don't do it. I got home on a, because the theme was gold and pink for Macy. Go figure. I wonder why she's such a brat now. I'm just kidding. I love her. She's, she's a sweet girl. She's a sweet girl. And I taped, you have to measure and tape to get the line straight so you make marks. Because they had to be, anyway, gold and pink stripes. So it went with everything else. Very intentional about that, but we aren't intentional about learning how to be a parent. We'll spend months planning for this baby to be born and and plan the room out, and we'll plan all types of birthday parties out. Have you ever been to a kid's birthday party that took nine months to plan? Very intentional, but we, we seem to lack intentionality when it comes to shepherding their hearts for Christ. And we think if we just throw money at it, or we throw a bunch of planning, um, that they'll feel loved, and then they end up not knowing the God of all creation. Am I saying you shouldn't plan good birthday parties? No. I guarantee you, when McKinley comes, I I know it. I see it coming. But my prayer is that, (laughs) and listen, with Macy... You know, we were very careful, you know, with the, you know, when you first have the baby and the pacifier falls out and you're like, oh my gosh, I got to get this and I'll sanitize it and I'm like putting it under the sink. 
by the time <laughs> Macy was almost done with her pacifier, I'm pretty sure I, I stuck it over to the dog to clean it off. Um, <laughs> I feel sorry for McKinley. You laugh, but you did it, you know? You did it. There are three things we want to give the next generation for spiritual success. That's what I want to give you today. I want to give you three things that we need to give to the next generation. And listen, it is your responsibility. It is not the Sunday school teacher's responsibility. Hear me. It is not my responsibility to get your kids through the gates. I'm here to shepherd this church, and I will walk alongside you. But let me tell you just very firsthand, if you don't do it for yourself, they will think it's just a Sunday thing. Okay. Three things. Intentionality matters. Nothing is done by accident. And and let me tell you something. If you're not intentional about it, you will accidentally. And now, listen, I don't think any of you are bad people. Actually, I think you're all sinners, but I think that if you're not intentional about the right things, you will accidentally place intention on other things. Okay, you will make other things priority just by not making the right things intentional, okay? Yeah, that's good. That's good, Ben. All right, good. So let me me just tell you, just three things very quickly, um, when giving might hurt. So when we're talking about intentionally giving something to the next generation, um, when giving hurts, okay, three things. We give them, by accident, we may give them praise they don't deserve. I want to deal with where we are, and then I want to tell you where Scripture tells us we should be, okay? We give them praise they don't deserve. Um, and I guess the best example of this would be American Idol. Because how many of you have ever watched American Idol? Yeah? The earlier shows would probably be a better example. Um, and some of you might know people in general. <clears throat> I had this experience this weekend. Um, Saturday, there's a, there's a local uh, quartet that's looking for a baritone. And you all know I like quartet music, so... I'm like, yeah, let's, okay, so I might have just lost cool points with some of you, but I was like, okay, this sounds fun, so I show up down there, and it was very obvious that a couple of them should have been told earlier in life they shouldn't be singers. No one loved them enough to tell them. So listen, their reality becomes, I'm really good at this. When we give them praise, they don't deserve. And, and the culture right now would say that, and, and this is where it will foul you up, because there will be a generation of kids, a generation that goes beyond your life, what will outlive you is a generation that can't even function because they need a pat on the back to do anything. They even need praise to perform. And I've got to catch, I look, I catch myself sometimes doing it with Macy. Like, I, I, I need to praise her and give her hand claps just to get her to, like, pick up her toys. Like, oh, good job. No, you should have done that to begin with. Sorry, I'm venting my parental frustrations on you. 
So we give them praise they don't deserve. Number two, we give them things they didn't earn. We talked about this a couple weeks ago as well. I see kids nowadays that drive, um, of course, I say this. I have a 1994 Buick. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's like floating down the road. I love that car. It's easy on the gas. Now, I don't. Uh, my wife won't be caught dead in it. Um, yeah, she won't be caught dead in it. But I have seen a generation come up as a youth pastor for 13 years of teenagers that have things that uh, they didn't earn. Um, they didn't have to work for it all. Um, and I experienced that to a point. My mom bought me my first car. And then I told you this a couple weeks ago. And when I came home one day and she had sold it, I realized very quickly I was going to have to earn some things in order to be able to keep them. Um, but we have to create in, our, in the next generation a generation that knows you have to earn things. That it takes work. That it just... It just doesn't just happen. And number three, we give them freedoms they can't handle. Um, they can watch any video game. They can watch any TV show, unlimited internet. Uh, I see teenagers all the time go on dates with guys they shouldn't be going on dates on. But it's, it's in the theme of, it's in the theme of, well, we should just let them... Um, they need to become independent. They need to learn. Um, and oftentimes we'll allow them into freedoms they can't handle. Um, that's one thing I've determined when should Macy ever start to date. Should that happen? Uh, I've, I've convinced myself I won't ever tell them to go have fun. I don't want them to have fun. I want them to be back on time. That's it. Because I don't want to put my daughter in a place or that young man in a place where they have more freedom than they can handle. Have you ever had more freedom than you can handle and got yourself in trouble? Uh-huh. Yeah. So let's go to Deuteronomy. Let's see what these three things are we need to pass on. We talked about the things we shouldn't pass on. I really want to get to the meat of this, which is what the Word of God would have for you today. Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we'll start at verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord, uh, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Um, three things here. Three things that this passage in Deuteronomy is going to give us that we need to pass on. Everybody say, pass it on. Say it one more time. 
Amen. That's good preaching. Number one, we need to pass on a community worth having. Uh, Verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You see, in the Old Testament, so when this was being written, family might not look like family that that you would picture today. Um, It would include parents and children. Okay, so everybody's like, okay, that makes sense. But it also included workers, adult siblings, spouses, their children, their grandchildren. There would be as many as 100 people in one family unit. And even more than that, um, people who did not have family units, so they might not even be your blood, and they would be brought into your family unit. So this was a a big unit. And what's being said here in Deuteronomy is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. They were one community. Okay, Their faith went beyond singularity to plurality. It wasn't just something I did. It's something our whole family did. The most memorable times I have growing up were that my whole family went to church together. Um, my mom, my dad, my brothers and sisters, uh, cousins, um, we all went to church together. And so what it created... Um, was church wasn't an odd thing for us, or living like Christ wasn't an odd thing because there were all types of people behind it. Now let me be very straight with you. Many of the reasons that this generation has such a hard time passing things on is because there hasn't been a whole lot of community around it. We've created a faith that is so... um, Uh, tender and kind of fragile that they think they're the only ones living it out. Um, Strong communities will never happen by accident. So listen, in order for faith, if we want our faith to go beyond today, we have to make it a community thing. Everybody say community. Now listen, everything in culture pushes away from community. It pushes towards individualism. In fact, if I asked you if you wanted your kids to be independent, many of you would say, yes, I want them to be as independent as possible. I want them out of my house. I want them independent. But independence in in the sense of your faith is not a Christian value. Did you know that? It's one thing to know and experience it on your own. It's another thing to know and experience it as a community. Um, I have watched, as I've been in ministry for almost 15 years, I have watched as people fall on hard times, and what do they do? They disappear from church. That's the first thing that happens. They disappear. They back away. Life gets messy. They're like, I'm going to go over here. And then they, they just... Fall away. All of a sudden, Christ, they don't want to go to church anymore. They don't even talk like a Christian anymore um, because their faith, they, they didn't have faith within 
communities. Community is very important. And I'll tell you why it's important. Because if we want to, the Bible, when it talks about faith, it always takes, talks about it in relation to what? One another. Right? Um, we want our kids to love one another. That's a biblical thing. That is, that is what the church is about. For those who would sit at home and um, not see any importance in coming to church and being a part of the body of Christ, uh, they would lack in these areas. The Bible tells us to love one another, encourage one another, devoted to one another, accept one another, patient with one another, forgive one another, be kind and compassionate, submit to one another, pray for one another, greet one another with a holy kiss. We can just do a handshake. That's fine. Interesting story. Uh, yeah. I just want to make sure you stay awake because oftentimes you'll fade away. Uh, yeah, I understand. I'm glad you're here. There's a guy at my previous church uh, where I was a student pastor. And um, he took this greet one another with a holy kiss very seriously. Anybody that knows me, look, I'm not, I'm not into that, okay? Uh, I'm a semi-hugger, like, sometimes if I'm in the right mood. But even then, like, tight embraces make me uncomfortable. So uh, this, brother would come, this brother would come up to me and embrace me. And then he'd sneak one in here right on my jawline. <laughs> He's in his 70s. He'd come and give me one right there on my. Yeah. There's some things um, that the word of God proclaims that I just, I struggle with. Uh, and that is one. Foot washing is another, but that, that, is, that is one as well. We have to pass on that community is important. If we're not going to church and we're making excuses why we're not going to church and being a part of Christian community, Christian community is the only reason our marriage can stay where it's at. Yeah. I have people that keep me in check. It's the reason I'm able to raise my kids better. It's the reason I'm a better man is because within Christian community, I'm watching men live it out and I am living it out before other men. And so I have an expectation of me. And if there's one thing I want Macy, I want all the next generation to understand is that faith inside community is so powerful. What it also creates is that when, when Macy may end up at like a party or something and, uh, and, and some kid might say, oh, well, you don't drink, she can say, no, we don't drink. You get what I'm saying? All of a sudden, it's not a, I'm out here by myself trying to live this thing out. It's something we do. You're saving yourself for marriage? No, we, we do that. 
That's what our family does. That's what we do as Christians. I'm not having to do it by myself all of a sudden. You believe in God? No, no, no. We believe in God. Yeah. They don't have to do it by themselves. This is why we need to pass on a community worth having. It isn't my faith. It's our faith. This faith is more than just me. It, this thing goes back not just generations. I can, I can look at my parents. I can look at my grandparents. But I can look at my church. It's important. A community worth having. Number two, a standard worth achieving. Deuteronomy 6.5, it says, love the Lord your God with what? All your heart and with all your soul, and with all your strength. All of it. All of it. All of it. So, if there's any confusion here, not part of it, but all of it. Some of y'all are like, yeah, duh, you know, I've read that a million times. You know what the tendency is? The tendency is to come to church, and you just heard this verse before, so you just write that one off. Oh, I know that one. But you don't let it bear its weight on you. So before you leave here, I need you to understand that the expectation is, is that you love the Lord your God with everything. Not just what you're willing to give him. Not just when it's convenient. You know, in, in the Old Testament days, they would make kids memorize the first five books of the Bible. Did you know that? Memorize it. They had to quote it. Um, and honestly, I don't, I don't know if you knew this either. Um, the word teenager hasn't been around that long. Did you know that? Yeah, it hasn't. Um, Reader's Digest actually coined the phrase teenagers in 1941. That's how long it's been around. It's not been around that long. Because before, there were just kids and adults. But now, there's this, this thing called teenagers. And, and basically, what that means is they have a bunch of rights without responsibilities. Um, this means they, they've reached an age where we see that we should give them some, some leeway, but not expect much out of them. Uh, but Paul, in the New Testament, would tell us that... Uh, when I was a child, I spake as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. Um, and what it's created is, is a lot of boys that shave. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm not talking about men. We've created a generation of boys that just know how to shave. Uh, not men that know how to stand up behind uh, the faith they have or take care of their families, but just... Look like a man, but act like a child. Um, and actually, when I was researching this whole teenager thing, you know there's a word called kadults? Yeah, kadults. Everybody say kadults. Yeah, it's fun to say. Um, but we, when we talk about um, a standard worth achieving... You set that standard. You understand this, right? Kids won't 
do more than you ask them to do. Yeah? <laughs> Just enough to get it done. So, um, Instead of just asking our kids to go in church, we should ask them to serve in church. Right? Instead of just being popular at school, maybe I send them to school and, and, and ask them to be a light for Christ. Instead of trying to blend in and just do what you can do, maybe you should stand out for Christ. So, so this is the problem. This is the problem. And I'll tell you why a standard worth achieving is tough for us to pass on. Can I tell you why? Because um, you're not living it. Well, I'll just put it plain that way. We're really terrible at holding the next generation to a standard we couldn't even live out on our own. We want them to be generous, but we weren't generous. We want them to be um, excited about serving in the church, but we didn't serve in the church. Uh, we wanted them to have prayer lives and Bible reading lives, and you couldn't even do it yourself. So listen, the reason this is important is because there will be a generation that doesn't know how to pray or read their Bible. You know why? Because you never lived it out in front of them. Now, some of you have. I remember the men and women in my life that I would show up and I would catch them praying. They just pray out of nowhere. You know those people? Yeah. That's one of the things I've been working on. Because my grandpa would do that. My grandpa, if, if, if there was something going on, I needed some prayer, he'd stop right there and let's, let's go ahead and pray right now. He lived it out. And so listen, the challenge for you, everybody say me, the challenge for you and I today is that if we want to pass on that it's okay to live at a higher standard of Christian living. Because what does the Bible say? Be holy for I am holy. Listen, there's, there's, a, there's a big movement going on that, that uh, has a whole lot of grace but no obedience, and look, I'm all for the grace because I need it. But when you are after God, when, when you say, I am a Christian, that should mean that there's some obedience that follows that. There is a standard. Other, otherwise, what are you? It should mean something when you say you're a Christian. Okay? And I'm not trying to beat you up too hard this morning. There's still another one, so I've got a little more lashing to go. Number one, a community worth having. Two, a standard worth achieving. And lastly, a faith worth reproducing. Look at what it says in 6-7 here, Deuteronomy 6-7. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Do you get the picture? Kids, and, and honestly, most people today um, have like a built-in lie detector. I can say this especially for teenagers. Yeah. 
I'm getting thumbs up in the back. They can tell when you're full of it. Yeah. Yep. I've been busted on many occasions by a teenager. Um, they can smell out a fake. And this, I was I kind of pre-jumped here, but um, impress them on your children. Talk about it. This is this is saying that. These things we talk about here on Sundays that you say you believe should be integrated into every aspect of your daily living. Yeah. I've witnessed Woody Jones do it. I, I don't know if I was going to find a... I try and find ways to weave these cool stories in. But me and Woody Jones went on a little adventure to pick up his new car. Um, he got a new white Genesis. It's pretty. It's really pretty. I like it. Yeah. Um, it's got double sunroof. I mean, it's real nice. We went. Um, it's just. It's like a. What, what day did we go? It was the middle of the week. It was like a Thursday. When it was a Wednesday. Yeah, it was a Wednesday. I had to get back here. And we go up there, and, and we're jabbing back and forth. Anyway, we get up and we talk to the sales guy. And look, Woody jumps into witness into this guy. I'm just up here to pick up a car. I'm like, got to get moving. I got things to do tonight. Oh, Woody Jones says, no, sir. Woody Jones was about to have an altar call right there in the center of this place. Uh, and so I jumped on board when I realized, hey, we're just taking our time and diving in here. Um, but he integrated his faith. And what he believes, and I've seen it on multiple occasions. This is just one instance. If your faith isn't integrated into when you get up and when you lay down and at your house and when you sit down and where you go, if it's not constantly on your lips. Now look, I'm not saying this is easy to do. I'm just telling you this is the expectation. And listen, and I want you to write this down. There's a little note section on the back of that insert, and I want you to write this down because it, it, th this is kind of the pivot point here for this outlasters. If, if you, what's going to outlive your life and it's this statement. If it's not real to you, it won't be real to them. If you attend church, if you attend church long enough, you can learn where to raise your hand in the song. Yeah, right there at the course. You know, you know, you've attended church maybe four or five weeks. You know now, I, I raise my hands when they start singing Holy Spirit. That's, that's when everybody raised their hands. Um, you can learn the lingo. You can learn it. And it may be passable here. You, you might fool me. You could fool the people around the foyer. But listen, the people in your home, you will not fool. I won't fool my wife. I won't fool Macy. She calls me on it. My wife calls me on it. And the fact of the matter is, 
my prayer is always that God would be more and more real, not just in my heart, but in my actions. God be real, so real, so that he can be real to the next generation. Because <laughs> look, they can find all types of things to do outside of this place. They can find entertainment. They can find emotion. They can find connection. But they will never find Jesus. They will never find someone like Jesus. And it's on us to show them that he is real. If we want the future of this church, if we want the the next generation to share their faith and be generous and pursue righteousness and know God's word to be faithful stewards of what he gives, to be passionate in prayer, to be fully devoted. Don't be confused why the next generation doesn't act like you want them to act. if you never lived it out otherwise. And that is the burden upon us today. We need to create a community worth having, a standard worth achieving, and listen to me, a faith that's worth reproducing. Not a cheap faith, not a Sunday morning till 11.15 faith. Yeah. A faith that when cancer strikes knows that you can enter the room and there's a God that will work that out. A faith that when marriage becomes not emotional anymore, that there's a God that can step into it and handle it. A faith that when your heart feels broken and you feel like life isn't worth it anymore, that there's a God that's real. Do you hear what I'm saying to you today? When we opened this service today, when we opened this service today and said that, and, and, and I said that there was nothing that could replace the presence of God, the work of the Holy Spirit. Many of you know this faith I'm talking about. Many of you know and have experienced firsthand this Jesus. faith worth reproducing. I serve a God that can handle it. Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.